right, the Kitchen Nightmares podcast. Join us, if you will, through bad food and somehow worse reality television. Hello, it's me, your old pal, the culinary crockery collecting cowboy, Kevin Mann. Joined, as I am always, by my co-hosts and saucy side dishes. Firstly, my band Mi Amore and the person who falls to today to pick the episode, Joe Graham. Hello. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm all right, thank you, yes. Yeah, you full of joy and excitement about, I believe your brief is smelly things. No, my brief is not smelly things. My brief is the most disgusting walk-in. Ah, okay. I have an ambition here. I want to make myself sick. (laughs) (laughs) He's jealous of all of us for our cool sick stories. Yeah. That's fine. not fair. I can't believe we've been podcasting all of us for as long as we have and none of us have gotten sick on a recording yet. You know, that's crazy. Huh. Isn't it? We've not already been trying hard enough though, I think. This is why I'm taking responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) Innovation is what it is. And to my right, the P-West to my fish and chips, Adam Bibolo. P-West? P-Wet. P-Wet? I thought you know what this is. P-Wet? Oh yeah, P-Wet. You know what P-Wet is? Yeah. What's P-Wet? It's disgusting. I tell you what, this is this north-south divide I've been hearing about I, Also, are you now. sure it's not Pwet? Like, no, it's Pwet. <laughs> Pwet, okay. P-E-E-A. Pwet as in P-E-A. Pwet. What are you talking about? Like the, the wet liquid that comes off from like mushy peas. Oh. Yeah. But it's, no, it's considered a delicacy. So like, you'll get your, your chips no. and you want to dash a pea wet over it. I know no, some, you want to pour that away, surely. You can get a, a slice of white bread. You can dab it with some pea wet as well. Oh. People you know? love it, but I just don't understand. It must make them mushy. That's very surprising to me because you're all about the secret liquids that you're not yeah. meant to be drinking. They're like. not salty enough, the pea wet. Uh. <laughs> I feel bad now because every time I give you an intro, it's come across as like I've like, either Either perturbed you or borderline insulted you. So yes. I'm going to say that this man is my rock, my stick of rock. Uh, we're going to get to the center of him today, so get licking, folks. <laughs> now, obviously, I'm trying to sweeten up to my sweet pee wet Adam Bibolo here mm. because he's become something of an adjudicator for these, you know, kitchen cases that remain unresolved in the Matt and Graham household. And something something new has come up. A, a new character has entered our world recently. A Mr. Frey Bentos. <laughs> now, I believe you've experienced with this gentleman. Uh, my father is intimately aware of Frey Bentos as well. Mm-hmm. Really? Uh, he is, yeah. Uh, but he does that type of thing like where he also says, like he'll talk about it in the same breath as, we used to just sleep all day in university because we were too poor to go out anywhere. And then we'd eat Frey Bentos afterwards. So wow. he doesn't say it with like a glint of joy. It's more of like, mild shame that's because he doesn't want you to judge him he would feel judged because I, f- I feel like i've judged you even you though have. i've never had a frey bentos never even had one never that's, had we're one. coming at it from a position of ignorance yeah. here you've never even tried it but the thing is right i do remember a very 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 vivid occasion where mm-hmm. adam and i used to live together mm-hmm. and oftentimes it would fall upon our corner shop to provide a vast amount of sustenance for mm-hmm. us to the point where I was on first name terms with the corner shop man who said, I got those sausage rolls you like one day. And I realized I'd maybe gone a bit too hard on that for my for my food stuff. Mate, we could do a whole podcast about Baz. Like, there's so <laughs> many great stories about that fella. But you once came back with the Frey Bentos with mm-hmm. the look like uh, like you had just gotten the keys to the fucking castle. And I will never forget the abject disappointment with him there on, with it on his knees. 
looking very upset indeed at what had transpired. Abject disappointment. Maybe yeah. I was embarrassed. I could definitely not have been disappointed or upset about it. Frey Bentos is the ultimate go-to depression meal. And like at that time when we lived together, unrelated to the fact that we lived together, but I was incredibly depressed. <laughs> no to do with you. You don't need to worry about it. You weren't eating enough sausage rolls, but mate. That was your problem. If you want to step it up another notch above pot noodle or super noodles, Frey Bentos pie in a tin is definitely the way to go. Can you describe it for the maybe American listeners? Because it is available in Ireland and the UK, although... It only exists in Ireland in my father's memories, as best I know. But I how, to, how would you describe it? I had to explain this to Kevin the other day, mm. how it worked. How it worked? He, he, wouldn't, he couldn't believe me. So you have to open it. It comes in a tin. Like the size of a Frisbee, pretty size much. Size of a Frisbee, that's yeah. a good comparison. And you have to open it with a can opener. Mm-hmm. That's normal. That's not strange. Yeah, that's all right. Take the yeah. lid off. Yeah, yeah. You take the lid off, but not the base. Uh-uh. You cook it in the tin. Mm-hmm. You put the tin on a little tray in the oven. And what do you do with the top bit? Do you lick that clean? Or is that like kind if of... If you've got a, a death wish, a, yeah. Is that a side dish? Slice <laughs> your tongue up. Do you normally lick open the tins when you've cut them open with a can? No, cannon? but if I've got coconut milk or beans, I'll be there with an offset oh. spatula getting every fucking drip of that. Oh, okay, to be fair, I have done that with a frayed entos and a fork, yeah. Get a bit of the scraped off pastry there yeah, off the, the top. That's fair, top, that's yeah. fair. We that's call fair. them scrubbins. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, you leave the top off and you put it in the oven and it grows like a wonderful, <laughs> yeah. beautiful Yorkshire pudding. Legitimately, the pastry is so good. It it's is. a miracle it comes out of a tin because it always rises really well. It's mm-hmm. really super flaky and super mm-hmm. crispy. It's really nice. You get to watch it in the oven. Yeah, sometimes I'll just pull up a chair and just sit yeah. there for the full half an hour. So you're, you're saying you're telling me there's an impressive rise here. So Absolutely. This is, this is a feast of the eyes and of yeah. the stomach. Yep. It is. And so can you explain to me why you had that look in your face? There was some words to the effect of, there's no meat in me, Pat. Something like no. that. No. I'm willing to bet it's because Kevin will have laughed I w- I'm going to say, I don't remember this memory, but almost undoubtedly it's because I was made to feel ashamed of myself. That's the thing though, right? I, I give off a presence where people feel I'm going to judge them when I'm already not. Mm. And and that means that people then end up feeling shame when I've said diddly-boo. Like, when you I know? compared it to a Yorkshire pudding the other day, you could not stop laughing. You were almost crying with laughter. <laughs> the absolute ludicrous nature that it could possibly be compared to something like that. I think Yorkshire pudding is literally like, if anything could forgive, you know, the England and the Empire for what they've done, Yorkshire pudding is like, if you come up there with your hands in your pockets and you just explain the concept of Yorkshire pudding to the world, we, we wouldn't forgive you, but we'd hear you out, like, yeah. is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So... To put Fre- if you came up there and said sorry about you know all the things we did to all those countries and all the all the money we took and all the the, the, the artifacts we stolen, Frey Bentos though I mean is that going to enter into the same category of, of of defense I don't know I'm not that passionate about it like don't get me wrong Yorkshire puddings are something I'm extremely passionate about like yeah. I will die on that hill Frey Bentos I think it's great. But I'm not going to go crazy about it and say it's like a cornerstone of the British Empire or anything no. like that. Okay, see, a middle ground, I think, and I, I think it's always good to find middle grounds in these disputes, is I would be grand if a Frey Bentos was made and then I could dip a Yorkshire pudding into that. Oh, yeah, that would okay, be amazing. That's, that's a good you compromise. Know? And right it feels there. like, because I, I, I've heard that the sauce to crust ratio is, a, is not what it necessarily would, would ideally be. 
I'll give you that. Yeah, because I don't know about you, Joe. I would eat it out of the tin. I yeah. never tried to remove the pie from the oh, tin. I don't you know. Can, if you, how would you I don't know if you can no. exactly. No, it's so served in the tin. You get a lot of crust on top, and then a lot more like just soft pastry underneath. So I'll agree with you on that. It could do with more crust, maybe. Okay. But what we're talking about is a pie in a tin that costs like what one pound fifty from the shop. I know exactly that. how much they cost because I bought two for Joe the other day. Because I'm. Would a you good look po- at this? You got them in the house now. We got them right in the in. Get that oven on. I literally said that. Kevin was like, "I don't want to cook today. I'm feeling." lazy i was like well you Free know what me and adam are sorted we've got our friday <laughs> yeah. you and alice can go keep yourselves entertained oh, come on it's friday night well, go that's on. It, actually in fairness yeah my partner alice she's completely opposed to it as well but i think she comes at it from the angle of like it's meat meat should be in the fridge not in a tin in the cupboard <laughs> in a so-called pie if you will yeah it does seem to kind of slip through the cracks of food classification mm. and preservation and that so well as it has now been decided the end of the week shall now be christened Friday instead of Friday. <laughs> I think the only way we'll truly settle this, and it'll make for some cracking content yeah. as well, we're going to obviously do a video at some point where yes. we make a Frey Bentos pie and we force Kevin to eat the entire yes. thing. Like... Eat the entire thing? <laughs> oh, the I entire did. confection? You didn't even eat the entire thing when you had it! Again, embarrassment, I think, is what yeah. the order of the day was there. You ever embarrass yourself full? It's really efficient, like... You, know? you will love them. It's actually... I'm going to... I'm gonna be so smug when you finally do eat a yeah. Ventos or even see one because you will see one because I think the reason he was making fun of you he was jealous yeah is that what it is he was jealous because no, he knows he's got envy. too much pride mm. what it is is I, I just had enough of my precious spar sausage rolls mm. you know what's been under a heat lamp for a couple of days you crack it like a creme brulee nice oh. <laughs> you get the sweet soft pink flesh inside hey, oh come on that into a Frey Ventos oh baby now we're cooking yeah. okay now we're getting we're literally the last days of Rome here now. We better get into the episode. <laughs> Joe, the episode du jour, Smelly Walk-In. I believe you had some help on Twitter with this one. What have you decided upon? Yeah, so I, I went to Twitter to find out what the stinkiest, most gross <laughs> kitchens and the history of kitchen nightmares were and got a couple of great suggestions. But the one I decided to go with is a Indian-American restaurant called Dylan's. Ooh, Dylan's, which does not necessarily immediately spring to mind great Indian cuisine it is not like it's not got the flair of an Indian restaurant before I we got into the episode I wanted to have a little discussion with you guys about any classic memories of having Indian food growing up because I don't know about ye but for me back back home in Westmeath heading over to to the Punjabi Inn and getting themselves a little bit of a curry takeaway Mm. with a naan bread the size of the size of County Leash I'm telling you some of the greatest memories of all time. I never liked Chinese food until I was like, you know, later teen and a young adult. Mm. But for whatever reason, Indian food and like going to an Indian restaurant and getting like the papadums and the old classic silver service. Everyone's in fucking tuxedos, even though you're spending 10 quid on your dinner. You get your little chutneys, your little bits and bobs. We used to get like the water would come in a copper jug. Oh my goodness. Is that like a similar experience to what you guys had growing up? Was there a bit of the fancy, bit of the flair? We had two places we would go to in my hometown. One was like that, the big sort of fancy white tablecloths everywhere, lots of bow ties, really upmarket. Not, nice. not changed since the 70s. Like, no, yeah. I say upmarket, but it's like an upmarket appearance, but still really dirt cheap prices. Or the other one was one where it was basically someone's living room that had been turned into a restaurant, which has also got its oh, own yeah. charm in a big, For big sure. way. Yeah, yeah. The one memory that really sticks out in my mind is my first girlfriend, the first time we ever went out for dinner with my parents, like a sort of a, we're grown-ups in a relationship. <laughs> 
relationship. <laughs> I'm on a double date with my mum and dad kind of thing. <laughs> Went to the curry house and I've been dating this person for about two or three weeks, I think. And I wanted to impress her by ordering because I'm a bloody bloke. Mate. Oh, look out here. Yeah. Here I am with my long hair and glasses, like looking a bit red in the face and a bit embarrassed. Like, I'm going to, I know what I'll impress her. I'm going to get the spiciest goddamn curry I can. Uh, anyway, long story short, an hour later, I literally had tears running down my face in the back of my mum's car, lying in my girlfriend's lap while we were in the McDonald's drive through ordering the largest milkshake we could get. Oh. <laughs> and I've never heard the end of it since. And yes, we did break up. So oh. Because of that. Because of that, exactly. Yeah, of she that. said she couldn't look me in the eye anymore after that incident. And now she goes out with the curry-eating champion Staffordshire, <laughs> like, you know, proper iron gut-like. How about you, Joe? When you were growing up, was the the Indian takeaway, was that or, or Indian restaurant meal was that was that something special for you i've actually never been to an indian restaurant I don't what know. Whoa. i've always always wanted to go and eat out of those little silver dishes oh my goodness what are we doing recording here like off idiots <laughs> look take the mics with us finish your prey bentos that's the star <laughs> off we go now I just i've never i've never like lived somewhere where there's been like a restaurant that like everyone knows is like the good indian restaurant and i've yeah. always been I'm, I'm quite intimidated by indian cooking because like i don't know what a lot of the dishes are mm-hmm. so I get quite overwhelmed, so it's never something I've like sought out myself. Like even ordering from rest, like from takeout restaurants, I always order the same thing. I'm a ticker mm. masala girl. I'm really boring, <laughs> and it's it's kind of difficult as well because nothing can ever in in this country at least prepare you for what the quality is going to be. Nah. Some of the best Indian food I've ever had in my life, I literally had in Lincolnshire, mm. yeah. and some of the absolute worst Indian takeaway I've ever had in my life has been on the famous Curry Mile, which is meant to be yep. the greatest Indian food of all time, yeah. in the, or takeaway-wise, at least. And there's no correlation between the quality of the food and what the restaurant looks like. It's a complete crapshoot what you're going to get, really. My first meal I had when I emigrated to this country, when I was in Glasgow, like literally my first night there, and we were walking up and down, just trying to find somewhere to eat, and up, up Glasgow on the, the west side, and there was, outside the restaurant, there was two lads, and they had the, the full get-up, they had the nice bow ties on, you know, they had the nice uh, nice tablecloth napkins, and they had the towel and the forearm, all that, looking classy. very classy and gussied up, and we were immediately, me and my mate, we were hit with a full wave of nostalgia, we're, we're going straight in there, we're mm. going to have a sit-down silver service meal. And it was one of the worst meals ever. Mm. And we were sat there like going, damn it. Like looking at them in their tuxedos. Like take those off. <laughs> you know, like, and I feel like maybe it's something that's not necessarily lost. But I realize a lot of it comes with nostalgia. Because I know there's loads of really amazing like kind of modern Indian cuisine places in Manchester where we are. Yeah. But I, I want to want to go somewhere and eat, order too much food. That's it. I want all the <laughs> silver dishes with the chutneys and the tiny spoons and everything and your nice onions. Like I want that proper old school experience. Mm. If anyone knows of one like that in the Manchester area that does good food, please do write in. Yeah, yeah somewhere that can give me an amazing curry meal. All sorts of stars, but if my dad wants to order chicken breast and chips for whatever reason, he'll be he'll be taken care of. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. In America, however, from little bits that I know, Indian cuisine has not necessarily been so effortlessly integrated into the culture as mm. it is over here in, in the UK. Because I know, like, obviously, huge Indian and Pakistani population historically in the UK, mm-hmm. and like you know, tikka masala is like the national dish here, basically. Mm. 
But over in America, they've got a little bit of a different vibe when it comes to Indian food, it seems. It's like a joke over there, isn't it? It's like it's like a stereotypical thing. It's like, oh, don't eat Indian food because yeah. you'll get sick. Mm-hmm. And I swear, like, we don't have that here. No, because it is like a sort of a... I feel like even the most intolerant people in England would still love, like, a good yeah. curry every once in a while. <laughs> it, it transcends all beliefs in England. Whereas, like you say, I feel like in America, it's almost the butt of a lot of jokes. Yeah. There's like a two-episode arc in The Sopranos where he goes to an Indian restaurant restaurant and it's treated like it's a fucking hit like, look, you look know? at this you even said before we sat down it's a good thing we didn't pick an Italian restaurant because <laughs> all the Sopranos references are going to come pouring out like it makes a difference you'll find a way for the first time ever we're not in some quaint little suburb or, or podunk town we're in New York fucking city. We open up with Gordon on top of a skyscraper. He's like, this is the greatest restaurant capital of the world. And someone needs my help down there. <laughs> They're straight up in Manhattan. I was hesitant about this episode because when you sent it through, I was like, another season one episode. Like Season one's been a little bit, I don't want to say ropey, but it is very prototype kitchen yeah. nightmares. It's not got a lot of the things we were looking for. But the opening sting of this episode, where it's like everything to come. What is that? What's in there? Look! Green burgers kill people! (laughs) This is literally like one of the banner episodes of Kitchen Nightmares, I think. This has got so many big Gordon moments in like one app. Yeah, this is pretty much the proof of concept for the entire yeah, series. Legit. It felt like I feel like it was like a personal vendetta for Gordon because like his restaurant London is literally just like two blocks, two blocks. down from mm-hmm. this place. So I feel like he stopped in here once and he was like, you know, I'm not going to eat at my restaurant today. I'll eat, I'll eat at an Indian place. I'll get something nice. In- <laughs> and he was like, fuck these guys. I'm going to take them down. I'm going to invent a new TV show <laughs> so I can do a hit piece on these guys. Now it's been mentioned on this show before. That you know, one of the reasons why Gordon stopped doing Kitchen Nightmares, or why there was you know more of a gap between seasons as the show went on, was that he got several stomach ulcers and he got oh. like he got very unwell. And I will say this episode particularly, you know, I I buy the hyperbole. Like mm. he feel it feels like he is visibly unwell as the episode progresses. <laughs> like he's battling his producer and diarrhea like hand in hand at the same time. But it's it's not a typical Indian fare here, Joe, is it? No, it's um, it's a combination. They've got basically two or three menus. I never quite figured out how many. One of them is Indian, one of them is American. And I think he said that there was an Italian menu as well. Yeah, he said that they were English, Irish, and they also had like Buffalo, New York uh, inspirations as well. The quote was, an American-Irish restaurant with an Indian-ness connected to it. <laughs> So to start off with, this is a strange restaurant that doesn't work like most normal restaurants. It has three managers. And that's not including the owner. Nah, the owner separate. also. Yeah. We've got a Mount Rushmore of people in charge here. Like. <laughs> so we have Martin. He's English and he's the general manager. Oh, this fucker. First of all, he looks like Superhands, basically. <laughs> yeah. Literally what I have written down there, word for word. And he is proof positive. I'm not sure if it's the case anymore, but I felt like there was a sweet spot between 2004 and 2009 when either of you could have went over to America and you just would have been given like, here's, you become a CEO. Yeah. Yeah. You see them, they're English. Did you hear how smart they sound? <laughs> and he, I, I don't know, I felt like I've met a lot of people like him in my life where the he he has some sort of a hold over people. He exerts a certain 
quiet charisma or confidence. Now, it's interesting you say that because I am going to have a lot to say about Martin this episode. Really? There is lots to find out about Martin. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's got me very intrigued. But it's not just the case that, you know, he has this kind of confidence or whatever. The other managers and the kind of the staff generally seem to have this appearance that the book stops with him, even though he's not the owner. He's not the owner, but if the owner is at the top of the pyramid, then it seems like Martin, the general manager, is the second in command. Then who else have we got in terms of management here? There are are three managers. There's a general manager, an operations manager, and a floor manager. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so the operations manager, Andrew, he's the bald American with the fantastic moustache. And we also have Khan, who's the floor manager. Now, Martin and Andrew both make it clear from the get-go that Khan is shit. Yeah. But he can't be fired or insulted in any way or criticised because he's a close personal friend of the owner, Mohammed. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. So even though he's the floor manager, which typically in a restaurant, from what I understand the floor manager is actually the person responsible between the communication between the kitchen staff and the restaurant staff that's what I would have thought yeah Yeah. he's like coordinating the actual dinner service and stuff like that unlike Martin who is a general manager as I will explain later isn't actually his responsibility to look after the kitchen staff Mm -hmm. okay the operations manager is the greatest catch-all term every of of all time on this show because he is cooking half the time (laughs) he's wearing like kind of like a butcher's apprentice like little short-sleeved shirt Mm -hmm. that he has to put on to go quickly cook the american food because the indian chefs can't cook any of the american style side of the menu but he also his responsibility includes he's like i have to make sure everything works yeah so you see like shots of like napkins shoved under wobbly tables and he's like and i'm here to make sure as well there's enough toilet paper so if you have to take a shit you know you could you could do something about it. Jesus, <laughs> he he was an odd fish, Andrew. He he felt like he was like both overworked but also powerless to do anything about it. That's it. He's a manager in name only. Yeah, he, he does some of the hardest work in this episode, I think, and he really gets involved a lot of the time. But he's not a manager in the slightest. Like he's a lackey, if anything. Do they get a heads up that they're actually coming? Because we already have full on kitchen nightmares moments in effect here before Gordon's even in the city he's still up on top of the he's still on top of the skyscraper going down there so I can actually reveal that Martin is the person who contacted the, the production company and said we want you to come and help the restaurant out because it's really struggling because Mohammed seemed the most like enthusiastic about it all he's like yeah this yeah. guy's gonna come fix my restaurant great idea this is a new show I don't know what it is yeah, but but it, was, it was Martin's call it's Martin's call he's mm. the one who contacted Gordon and that's the super hands looking general manager for those that's, keeping track yeah, the English guy there were bugs already everywhere yeah. now this is the main kind of thing when when this was suggested this episode I, I remember that i was reading a book about like you know insect life cycles at the time so it was just fascinating because they have a very interesting choice of decor which is at best bug friendly let's just say <laughs> they ain't got no wallpaper we ain't got no uh paint or anything like that they appear to be either giant napkins or like bed sheets or something? Are they in prison? Is this like someone's cell <laughs> that they get to run the place? They run an Indian restaurant in there. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's a lot of white linen and yeah. nothing but essentially. Their money situation, pretty dire. Mohammed is losing $20,000 a month. <laughs> But I mean, it's, you know, it's a prime location in New York. It's on Broadway. Like, it really is. It's like the best location. There's a reason Gordon's, you know, Michelin-star restaurant is only like a couple of minutes walk away. And in fairness, surely some of the most expensive real estate in New York. So 20,000 loss a month is mm. actually probably a lot less than you would expect. You compare that to WWF New York when they had a place <laughs> yeah. in Times Square. They were losing money hand over fist. That's very, like. very true. 
Gordon shows up and it's Dylan's lounge, so Gordon's in the lounge and it's time for lunch service. And the server there is saying, oh, it's probably pretty busy by normal standards. Flies don't count as Aww. customers, even though they do seem to be enjoying the food that's left all over the floor and tables. <laughs> now, there definitely, definitely are legit bugs all over this place. Yes. As we get into yeah. it, there's more bugs. It's definitely real. That's not fake or anything. Yeah. But I swear to God, that first fly on Gordon's cutlery was CGI. I, I, re- <laughs> I rewound it like four times. There's something about the way it whizzes off just looks a little bit uncanny to me. Straight away, he's messing things up because he's ordering cross-menu. You're not Uh-oh. meant to do that. We're starting things off for the starters. He went for what I would say is always a surefire hit in any Indian restaurant. Mm-hmm. Assorted vegetarian starters. When we're coming out, it looks like we've got some sort of a samosa. We've got a little bit of a veggie pakora and some sort of a very flattened onion bhaji. Yeah, should be good. How can you mess this up? I mean, I don't know. If I'm not going to be a snob here, Anthem, but if I'm getting an onion bhaji, I want it to be borderline blooming funion, you know? I, yeah. want, I want it to be big and fun, yeah. not small. Like, how can you make onions get that small? That's crazy. <laughs> well, it's off to a bad start. Gordon says it looks like a dehydrated turd. <laughs> All right, okay. But, like, in fairness, we, we regularly, when we eat Chinese, there is some of the starters we get, which we refer to as little dog's willies. That's true. Yeah, you know, but they're delicious, you know? That just got me thinking about, like, how if I was one of the members of Bon Appetit that ended up leaving, I would have maybe just done a little shit in the dehydrator before I left. <laughs> just, just to see what would happen. Like, what would that look like? I mean, if anyone's going to do it, it would be Brad. I can just say now he's obsessed with that thing. Uh, also, the samosa that he's been given, and there's a lot of this like identifying of meats that is kind of, I mean, that's a fun aspect of the, of the meal, I guess. There's a little bit of a mystery to it. Mystery meats. But mystery meats and the vegetarian stars yeah. is not a good start. Less fun. The, well, the staff said we could get sued for that. Yeah. But it made me laugh because Gordon is like gleefully fed vegetarians meat on purpose in Kitchen Nightmares I UK. Know. Jesus. Yeah. It was a different time, folks. Yeah, two <laughs> years prior. Like, you know, it was in Sunderland, a completely different place. Our second course, we've got a double header of some Indian mains. We've got beef buna. And we've got lamb biryani. So beef buddha is like long simmered kind of beef dish. Mm. And then lamb biryani. That would be my go-to if I'm going to get an energy takeout. Hey, I've got my egg. I've got my rice. I've got my vegetable sauce on the side. Mm. I've got my meat. It's a whole meal in one. It's great. And Gordon has to go through a couple of guesses. It's like, oh, is that pork? No, it is lamb. Or is it pork? No, it is lamb. I'm very impressed with myself that the moment he cut into that, I could identify it as lamb. Hey, fucking hell. Even though he was like, I don't know what it is. And the waitress was like, I think it's pork. No, I know <laughs> lamb when I see it. What's what's the telltale lamb signs, Joe? It was very fibrous. Nah. That's the wool that is. Brownish pink in a way that if pork was served like that, you'd definitely get a parasite. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I feel like Gordon's just already getting a parasite here. By course two, it feels like he's feeding an existing parasite at this point. It's a bad sign as well because there's a tomato rose on top oh. of the biryani. Now, I love a good tomato rose. My mum's mm. partner used to work at a restaurant and he taught me how to make them. What? So, yeah, I like, I've never made it for you, have I? Oh my God. I love that old style shit. Yeah. I fucking... I you know, make me a paper napkin look like a swan. Give <laughs> give me a carrot that looks like a tulip. You know, any of that yeah. stuff. Love it. Unfortunately, the tomato rose is rotten. He rotten. picks it up and looks underneath, and it's all puckled and disgusting. Oh, I mean, I I used to have great relish in eating like a vegetable. If it was a vegetable that had been turned into something like a yeah. carrot or whatever. 
it's great eating that because it's like eating something very beautiful that's always really fun like you know <laughs> I like it's like they're expecting you not to eat it or something like that they don't make it out of food come on side note here when he's trying to identify the mystery meat he mm. says if that's beef then I was born in Bangladesh and the reason I bring this up is because I don't know about you two the version of this I watched was a shitty little 240p YouTube upload in very piss poor quality Mm-mm. as soon as I finished it it came up in recommended from the official Kitchen Nightmares account they've uploaded this episode themselves yeah but they titled it If That's Beef Then I Was Born in Bangladesh yeah, there's no actually, other information there that's to glean that's the version like, I watched you found that I found it and I was like well that's interesting I wonder if this is the episode and it was that channel is a cesspit there's no organisation or rhyme or reason to what's going on there so I've got this theory at the moment because I'm very much into Gordon Ramsay online content so I like to keep my ear to the floor I'm not on TikTok yet so I don't know any of his like you know, mad stuff that he's been doing I want to pepper some of this in through some upcoming episodes in terms of what Gordon's been up to with his online presence because some of it may shock you but I think he's been like uploaded as an NFT and sold off in parts or something like that that makes sense because there's this whole series of like the classic Gordon Ramsay F-word style recipes he would do and it'd be like grill sear season you know he would do and he'd be doing it there and awesome great but he has these kind of videos now that are uploaded onto his channel which are clearly just those, you know, Instagram little quick recipes. It's the top yep. down, someone making it in a pan. And they've got a Gordon soundboard. So it's like salt and pepper. Mm. It's so bad. And it is absolutely rubbish. But he doesn't have the rights to his own voice anymore, I reckon. Not, no. you know? I want access to that soundboard so that we can create, like, I don't know, a, a scripted podcast starring Gordon Ramsay. Or one of us could absolutely do that. Yeah. Or one of us could take an episode off. And there you go, Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Easy then, like, or replace you know? all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon. <laughs> We're beating around the bush here. There's a third course coming that is one of the most miserable fucking things I've ever seen. I love me some salmon, let me tell you. Mm. Salmon of knowledge or otherwise, I'll happily eat it and lick my thumb afterwards, as long as I've had my nuts of knowledge. But the salmon with very old potatoes, and they are going on an expedition to the Great White North with like fucking husky dogs to get into the oh. side, that freezer to find that very, very, very old salmon. Oh boy. He doesn't even taste any of it, I don't no. think, does he? No, he, just... he makes Andrew eat it, which mm-hmm. is sad because Andrew had to cook it. I know. And he was saying as he was cooking, he was like, I should not have to cook. This is going to be bad. This is shameful. Yeah. And then oh, he has you... to eat the whole thing. <laughs> when Martin's like hitting him up, tapping him on the back, going, you did it. Like you found the salmon in the freezer. We're sorted because oh. you know, we froze it because it was so good. <laughs> then potatoes. Fucking hell. Duds buds. Let me tell you, folks. Those are some. He, he has some more interaction with the potatoes yeah. later on but um yeah it aspired to hospital food that had been left out a little bit too long it's time to uh, have a look at them in action it's time for some service and they're doing things a little bit differently that crazy new york city they're doing all sorts like <laughs> prepping the food on the floor classic i mean we've all been there <sighs> alright there's the 5 second rule or whatever which is contentious at best but if it's prepared on the floor like what (laughs) it's like they're going out of their way to do things as horribly as possible here (laughs) they're just trolling Gordon at this point let's just wind him up well this is going on in the kitchen and then round the front Martin the super hands looking guy is literally lying down on a couch with his hands behind his head (laughs) while a waitress plays with his hair he's got a big smile on his face and then he justifies it by saying like oh I was uh I was thinking of solutions for our many problems. Oh, that's really good. You can tell it's early Gordon kitchen nightmares here because he's like having to be very gentle with them going like, can we just 
not prepare it on the floor because <laughs> no, it, guys, it's not safe. Can you translate? Can you explain to him? It's not. It's unhygienic. <laughs> Forty minutes into service, no food has been served. No. Man's on his phone. Oh, yeah. good lord almighty! And I think like the flies buzzing around, like waiting for food and the food being laid. That sucks. It's some of the worst things. If you're hungry in a mm-hmm. restaurant, it's a surefire way to take you to Cranky Town as opposed to Flavor Town. But if you're being surrounded by insects, like that's the exact situation where the longer you're there, the less likely you're going to want to actually eat when the food comes. That's yeah, because you filled up on all the flies. No. <laughs> oh, God almighty. Even the announcer's getting in on it. He's like, nothing has been served because of the kitchen chaos that's taking place. All right, read the brief. It's kitchen Honestly. nightmares, all right? Kitchen chaos is going to be a spin-off down the road. On all hands on deck, except for Martin, of course, who's on his phone all the time, and then Gordon confronts him for being a perv. You say all hands on deck except for Martin, but there's one lad in the kitchen oh, who's yeah. literally just standing with his hands by his side, staring into space. And he's got some radishes, I think. Gordon's yeah. like looking at him, going like, "Have you got something to do?" Like, no. So he storms off. And he grabs Martin, drags him in there, and he goes, "Why did it take me to let you know that he's standing here playing with radishes?" <laughs> You'll go blind if you play with your radishes like that. Do you like that, do you? When the staff come up, talk in your ear, play with your hair. You like that, do you? Ooh. The operations manager is like, there needs to be some sort of leadership here. Oh, if only. If only mm. a manager could take over. What are these three managers needs to step up? Maybe they need to like kind of join up, like kind of a Megazord type of thing and become someone who can actually run a restaurant. No, let's take on another manager, I think. Let's hire a fourth one. Oh, yes. I'll tell you what, I think it's just because it, maybe it's some, some grievances between Gordon and the English. I'm not sure. But he just has it in for Martin more than anyone else. I've got a lot to say about that, by the yeah. way, at the end of the episode. Okay. A lot to say. That that's that's definitely like a raised an eyebrow for me because I know extra that personal felt throughout yeah. throughout all of this. There are times where it's like, yeah, you call him out for that because that was shit, and then there's times where it's like, hang about, why he's going out of his way here to start stirring the pot again, yeah. Gordon fucking hates this I guy. I mean, as much as I enjoy making fun of someone for being a pervert or anything like that, but did, was there actually... What did he do? He was literally just being... But Gordon's like, like, right, well, look at them, they're touching your hair, looking at you, do you like that? It's Make you feel like a big man, big boy. It's not like he's touching their hair, they were touching his hair. It's like, um, it's, it's inappropriate. It's inappropriate. But it's not English, yeah. he's irresistible. Get no. over it, Gordon, yeah, come on. Like, the white staff find him charming, and okay, that's maybe not best to do on, like, company time, but mm. still, I don't think it's fair for him to be, like, labelled like that. He calls him he says general manager general toss pot you can't find his level here because at one point he's like he's within kissing distance and yep. he goes you're out here taking advantage of a rich weak man <laughs> and also general toss pot <laughs> some bits of food arrive it's mostly raw and mm. there's flies there who are also enjoying the foods and most people have received nothing so far. Yep. And then Gordon starts going on an expedition. And it's just one of these things that, you know, you, you get one clue and then you get 20 and all of a sudden your inventory is full up in the hidden object <laughs> game. Gordon finds Dud Spuds, the worst burger he has ever seen, and green chicken. Green chicken. My Whoa. personal favourite was the grey slime he found. And he asked What's one that? of the chefs, he asked one of the chefs what it was. And the chef goes, I don't know what that I is. Don't... I don't know. That was here when we moved in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that may have been the original manager, you know, but then we brought in a new manager to eat the manager. And he had to bring in a third manager to eat the second manager. And oh. Well, the green chicken, that's where obviously those green eggs come for, for green eggs and ham. Uh, 
literally. Like, yeah. Yeah. Gordon here's trying to cancel Doctor Zeus. Can you believe it? <laughs> There's a bit here that made I had to pause it because I was laughing so hard. I'll put the soundbite in here just because the way Gordon delivers it. He walks down into the basement and he goes, "What's that smell?" For it's God's me. sake! What's that smell? For God's sake! <laughs> like, he is fuming. I mean, he, he walked into Silent Hill. Is he what did. happened here? It's a murder basement. And Rats. The, the, yeah. yeah. So sinister. Rats every like rat droppings everywhere. Yeah, Big dirty rat traps. Did you see the blood? Yes, red yeah. slime. It was bleeding on a countertop. There was like a wet bag of salad. And then at one point he opens up like he, the freezer and looks behind the lining. Oh, and it's, it's just, the cockroaches yeah. now. All of now, these yeah. insects yeah. come out. It's like a scene from Saw. It literally is though. Yeah, it's proper horror movie stuff. They are everywhere. My two favorite quotes in this sequence: boxes full of cockroaches. Look at them. Look at that! <laughs> Holding up a big empty cardboard box with one cockroach in it. It's full of cockroaches! Oh god, I'll tell you what, that very, very, very old wet salad it makes Ugh. me so fucking sad. It's, uh, you know what, it's, it's apparently it's a huge, huge, huge source of food waste in this country. Yeah. It's people, salad, salad bag salad, yeah. it's an absolute nightmare because people just like buy them and then they get a little sweaty and they're like, oh, it's gross and they toss them out. Mm. Uh, putting in a piece of kitchen towel and folding it over your salad before you wrap over your plastic hey, bag. It works so well. It does. It'll, it'll give you an extra couple of days on your salad. But yeah, that made me really sad. And then the tomatoes, which have been proven to be rotten. I love that. He starts finger banging the rotten tomato. <laughs> we we got to get the sound clip here. It's rotten. Has a customer just been served a slice of tomato? No, no, no. So where is it? Oh my God. What's happened to that missing tomato? And we cut to the restaurant floor where there's a plate with a rotten tomato on top. Like, like it's a race against the clock to save that customer. It's that tomato contains within it a dark brown cone of nastiness. Oh. oh, God. And that was really sad because the server, she was like, yeah, I mean, I never feel very good about giving them food here anyway. But, like, giving them something that I know is going to make them very sick is yeah. not a good feeling as a waiter. I actually really liked watching him deal with the tomato because it was like watching one of those doctors to pop a video. I knew you were going to say that. Where you like I get to extract a black knew it. head. Ugh. And he was doing it with his fingers. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd ever seen a tomato get acne before, but uh, here we were. <laughs> and back to back, we get two proper stereotypical, this is going to kill somebody, followed immediately <laughs> by the biggest, it's rotten. <laughs> like, like proper comedy levels, Gordon Ramsay. Tell him in your language that you'll bloody kill somebody. <laughs> so Gordon, he's disgusted, sir, is a total bust we come back from the break with I, I mean I, I really wish they would do this more often when they would take a little intellectual property and this, <laughs> yeah it's fucking <laughs> Gordon Buster's <laughs> here right you dirty little fuckers where are you so Gordon shows up in full CSI gear, right, to, to do a deep clean. He looks mortified, by the way. <laughs> they play this, like, absolute, like, off-key, you're in some, like, disco that hasn't paid for the rights for the actual Aww. Ghostbusters theme. And then the manager is like, these cleaners coming in looking like something out of Star Wars. What? Why? You've been, seen, you've been watching the wrong Star Wars movies, my friend. <laughs> it's called Operation Sterilize, and it has several phases to it. The first phase is what Gordon has to... Hunt down all remaining rotten food within the building. 
And then they're going to steam clean everything. Mm -hmm. They've got like a staff of like six or seven cleaners in full fumigation gear with the steam hoses and everything. I mean, it's serious. We saw that basement. Like this is a, this is probably the worst case of infestation we've ever seen on Kitchen Nightmares. I didn't think it went far enough. Yeah. Ah. I mean, the white goods were literally like the, the, the cockroaches took over the fridge. (laughs) You can't give that a wipe down and expect to be okay. They're serving a smaller Indian restaurant. (laughs) the lining of the fridge <laughs> and like this fucking flex the most unnecessary flex of all time where Gordon's like right now that I've humiliated you all you've had the worst service ever let's go look at my brand new fucking award winning restaurant in the heart of Times Square I mean this was not fair and Gordon walks in and goes this is heaven your restaurant's hell he came off so mean here. Like, so mean. like a wrestling heel being like, let me show you what a real restaurant <laughs> looks like. He's just rubbing it in their faces. It's literally a multi-million dollar kitchen. That's it. It's apples and oranges. Staff. Yeah, it's just not fair. And it's like industrialized as well. Like, it's so big. It's yeah. like, imagine something the scale of like Planet Hollywood. It's like a spaceship. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, it looks like something that you, you wouldn't see this in any restaurant, like most restaurants no. in the world. No, no, no. It's unfeasible to have a kitchen that size. Yeah. And there's a bit where he's going to Andrew, look, oh, try opening up the, the, the fridge there. Did you, you see, see that? Check yeah. the lining. Like, where are the cockroaches? <laughs> where do you keep them here? Do you store them somewhere else? <laughs> so the new idea, after they've all been moralised by going to Gordon's awesome restaurant, no, he didn't serve them any food around. He just uh-huh. gave Can't a look around, you yeah. know, show what a real restaurant looks like. They're back now. They've got a consultant, a top Indian chef called Vikas Khanna. And he's a hunk. Oh, yeah, mm, this guy, he he's got it sorted out. And I know I was saying earlier I'm all nostalgic and all that, but this guy's idea for the contemporary Indian menu looks awesome. Yeah. Everything that he produces looks really, really delicious. We're back in the kitchen for a moment, though, and <laughs> Gordon's cooking up a meal to show some of the, the chefs. Yeah. And one of the chefs goes really emotional. Yeah. And starts hugging Gordon for, like, I, well, actually, I timed it. It's 12 seconds long and includes 40 slaps on the back. 40? 40. 12 seconds might not sound like a lot, but like it when is. we first hung out post-pandemic... Time your hugs, folks. That's yeah. probably what we were looking at. Like, oh, first time I've seen Kevin and Joe in like 14 months. I'm going to give them a big... Okay, this is going on a bit, actually. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> 12 seconds is a long time for a stranger to be hugging you. Is that the same chef that when Gordon asked where they were and he's like, I don't know, New Jersey or something? Oh. We're in Broadway, <laughs> New York, big boy. Manhattan. <laughs> I love it. he literally says, do you know we're on Broadway? And he replies... New Jersey. We're in New Jersey. Mm. Like, he's literally given you the answer. Did they kidnap this guy? I was going to say, he seems like a hostage. Has he been living in that saw basement the whole time? Oh, God. I'm just saying, your man, the general manager, he does really come across a little bit like Mr. Jigsaw himself. Like, he's (laughs) he's got a little bit of that quaint Britishness about him. So, we've got a new sign, a new name, a redesign of the inside. All looking pretty good. Modern for 2005 slash 6. Something I very just really caught at the last second, nearly missed this altogether. New name for the restaurant is Purnima, and they've got this nice new awning with a new sign on it, and it says Purnima, and then underneath it, Dylan's Restaurant. Wait, no, hang on, just stop that. Look at that. <laughs> Dillian's Restaurant. Dillian's. They fucking got a typo. Gordon yeah. Ramsay's team put a typo on their new sign. Oh I thought gosh. it was like the name of the episode was wrong. Same. And I was like, oh, obviously Gordon's team got it right. No, they got it wrong. Dillian. Dillian sounds like a lovely little baby scallion or something like that oh these little dillions lovely little tiny onions (laughs) delicious Gordon is very upbeat about everyone's prospects and he has a little team meeting where he tells the staff 
Everyone must be positive or find a new job. I'm Jesus. looking at you, Martin. <laughs> and the way they start, off, they start off defending him. I love it. This, Yeah, this is very surprising. This is where I could smell a rat straight away mm. because they're having like this little pep talk where Gordon's like, it's relaunch night. We've got a lot of promise in front of us. This needs to go well. And you, big boy, if you can get off your fucking phone for a minute, like he just goes savage. So nasty. And then one of the servers says like, I think you've been giving Martin a really hard time and it's actually starting to make me angry. Mm. And like, I've never, ever seen a server yeah. talk back to Gordon like and that before. And even more, Gordon talked back to the server. Yeah. Like, this he had a go at her. There's no love between him and the staff here. No. Well, he was getting on with her fine beforehand, but as soon as she stands up for Martin, he's like, you keep your nose out of it. This is none of your business. That's it. Like 99% of the time you expect that Gordon's having a go at the scumbag manager and all the staff are like elbowing each other. Like, yeah, he's finally getting it. But no, the staff are really unhappy about Gordon's treatment of this guy. Uh, The reason is, is because, you know, Andrew, who's like dead behind the eyes. And as the episode progresses, his nose gets brighter and brighter red. He looks unwell. And Mohammed's he's like so kind of he's he's a nice guy and he's low energy and he's like yeah sure whatever just fix my restaurant i think it's because martin has been pegged as the villain so and he's the only one who gives any kickback so everything's been put on him for the sake of the show but it just comes across as like you know very much like bullying it is bullying oh, it is yeah it's very mean bullying. side note about andrew as well did we miss something with him because they come back for relaunch night he's now got a pilot's cap on like one of those leather hats <laughs> with the flaps on the sides and his arms in a sling all of a sudden Wait, like, why miss that yeah, he's got a big white sling on they never reference it they, the camera tries to avoid it as best as possible but something happened to this guy oh between two nights i've got an explanation but we said no more sopranos references so I'll leave it at that <laughs> did you catch gordon when he was yelling at martin um, what he called the wait staff no he said keep your Minions away from me. <laughs> Minions. Minions. My favourite. <laughs> My favourite family movie is, of course, Minions. <laughs> I love Gru and the Minions. They're great, excellent. Minions. We have a little bit of a little bit of razzle dazzle to get some butts and seats for the opening night. A parade. A Purima parade. I mean, like, to organise a parade in Manhattan, that's got to be a costly and very, very complicated endeavour. So this is going to be, oh, it's a bus. Yeah, some tight shots on this one. Yeah, really tight <laughs> shots. Like, lots of awkward Just camera up and angles. Down. They do a three-point turn at the end of the street. They go back over. They go back down a few times. <laughs> it's opening night. They've got all the bells and whistles. they got Gordon and Vikas here on staff. So they pretty... And they say that Gordon is there specifically to keep an eye on the general manager. The fuck? We got a special rare shiny topless Gordon oh yeah you don't get a lot of that this early on in Kitchen Nightmares that's more of a hotel hell thing Mm. I'd say but he's topless in this little very echoey room and he's saying that like oh we're after a good start tonight everything's looking like it's going to go well except fucking Martin's still here Like he, ju- he ju- at this point he just wants him gone yeah. now. Like he's angry that this guy's even around. Even if Martin turned a new leaf, Gordon would still not be having any of it. Yeah, like, yeah. Gordon wants to salt the earth here. We literally start the opening night, and before anything happens, a customer says, "It's a nightmare." <laughs> <laughs> Gordon slaps her a fifty. <laughs> Only on NBC. <laughs> they hypothesize the reason that it might be that they're struggling is that the staff are simply not used to customers i mean that's the first time they've ever acknowledged that because that is a huge flaw with kitchen nightmares you've got like like. people that are not used to serving a lot of folks with a full restaurant it always happens they've not trained them up they've not Box their brothers. They've done nothing. They've <laughs> flying completely they by the seat of pants. They should get the managers to box each other. <laughs> and then whoever wins gets to be the manager. So there is a kind of a, a coup happening here all throughout the night. Gordon is in the ear of the owner and he's basically just saying, like, as the night goes on, 
you should get rid of Martin. Yep. You should be getting rid of him now, There's a right? bit where one of the kitchen staff knocks over a bowl of rice and rice goes everywhere. Yeah. Guess whose fault it is? Fucking Martin. Martin. He's, He's on the so other yeah. side of the restaurant. Get He's Martin, bring Get him, here. bring huh? him in here. You, sweep that up right now. Before we get more rats. What the your fuck? Fault. The nicest thing dick. that he does... The nicest thing that he does is refer to Martin as Driftwood. Because wow. Driftwood can be beautiful sometimes and turned into something really nice. But he's saying that <laughs> Muhammad has got all this like shit that's lashed onto him that's weighing him down. He's like, you could basically do this. And you know what? In fairness, they don't need three managers. I no. think there's a way to have a whisper in the ear of like, look, if you're the owner and you're losing money hand over fist, you need to be more hands-on. But saying it like that, he's wrestling back control of the restaurant from this guy who's been destroying it nah. Eh, nah. but you know Mohammed is like he he's just happy for Gordon to suggest things and go along with whatever whatever it is you, you know? say suggest he's saying Tell the, the quote here is between your three managers one of them has to go Martin, Martin, yeah, please, Martin, please I'm begging you please get the picture of this guy you know this one with the English <laughs> one says this it says that Martin is using and manipulating Mohammed and he says this literally in front of Martin yep, Martin's there he's just there and this is the first time Martin actually stands up for himself yep. and he starts getting upset you have a big fight here yeah mm-hmm. he makes the cardinal error of pointing vaguely no. but this this is really pathetic because Gordon really infuriates the guy he starts standing up for himself and Gordon's like go on then finish it then and he points he's like oh what are you pointing for what are you pointing and just assault makes, assault <laughs> like, he's got a weapon completely deflecting anything the guy's actually saying and just yeah. being like I'm not going to listen to you because you pointed at me yeah. that's really rude and Gordon it's too early in the Kitchen Nightmares US career for him to be able to effectively put a button or a nice bow on a row and this is obviously mm. before the producers realise that ADR and editing yeah. a lot is a thing so we get Gordon looking all cool going you sat in it you ran it you sat in it <laughs> and you wasted it. What are you? T- what did you say? What? 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 The, the to- rice is from it, earlier? Is that just tomatoes? Was he saying then? Was it? Is that why they're brown? Like, what's going on? And then he's just going, not guilty. Not, not guilty. guilty. Not guilty. Hey. What? He's. I think he's broken him. Yeah. You know, something snapped there, it felt I, like. I think either, yeah, either Martin's like kind of lost it and he's just all over the place, or this was really sloppily edited to try and save face no, yeah. as best I as possible. I wonder if the version I watched was slightly different, because the version I watched, he doesn't say, I'm I'm not guilty out of nowhere. Really? really? Gordon actually says to him, you're guilty of manipulating Mohammed, uh, of taking advantage yeah. and sitting in it. And then he goes, not guilty. And then in the version Your I watched, version makes a lot more sense. I know. Right? You sat there. Not guilty. Not guilty. <laughs> and the way they wrap this up oh. is so weird. Keep in mind, I'm not sure about your version, Joe, but the one that me and Adam watched, there was like zero in- indication that anything positive had happened in the restaurant all night other than Martin had been taken out and Muhammad was being more hands-on. And you have Martin going, you know, I think Gordon Ramsay's full of shit. And Gordon's like, hey, what a successful night. Great. <laughs> Unbelievable service. People are happy. We get a proper poochy exit for Martin oh, as yeah. well. Like, this sounded edited as fuck where he's like, you know what? This is my last night. I'm out of here. I quit. And he just walks away. Like, it sounded so false. Yeah. Really fucking fishy. And yeah, you, you say you've got stuff to tell us, Joe, because... I'm really excited to find out. Same. I'm dying to know. I've never had a Kitchen Nightmares episode end on the ominous, somehow meant to be positive tones of, after Gordon Ramsay left, several days later, they were doing really well, with mm. an uptick in both tips. 
and people sitting in the restaurant. Several days? Also, when you're one of your big, like, positive notes is, like, they're getting more tips nowadays. Like, that should kind of go without saying. I feel sorry really... for the staff. They're covered in flies. They're literally <laughs> destitute. <laughs> so we end a second ever episode of Kitchen Nightmares US. And, oh boy, I think there were some meetings with the producers after this one. We got to get that Gordon soundboard together because, you know, we got to future-proof this. Joe, please, what in God's name happened? Tell us the aftermath. What happened with Dylan's after Gordon Ramsay did a Kitchen Nightmares? So, I'll start off by... I'll I'll skip over the most interesting bit and I'll come back round to it. Gordon revisited a year later and Per Nima was clean and the food was excellent and Vickers was still in the kitchen as a consultant and customers were even invited into the kitchens to see how clean it is. Yelp reviews were mostly mixed. Some people said the food was excellent. Other people said that it was average. Some people said it was overpriced. Mm. It's Manhattan, what you'd expect though, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, One of the main complaints was that there was noise coming from the bar next door. And some claimed that the service wasn't very good. And then it closed in 2009. Mm. Vickers then went to work at Janoon Restaurant, um, which actually got him his first Michelin star. Wow! Holy shit! Good yeah. for him. Yeah, he, he seemed like he had ideas for days, it felt mm. like. He did, and he's written more than 30 cookery books. Whoa! With Andrew. They work together. Andrew! Andrew! Andrew. Huh. He's a writer now and a blogger for Huffington Post. Are you kidding oh, Andrew! Him and, him and Vickers work together. They, they're like What, are you putting witness protection or something? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Vickers, he's um, hosted and appeared on Hell's Kitchen, Throwdown with Bobby Flay, oh and the Martha God. Stewart Show, and he was a judge on MasterChef India. Incredible. Okay. Good on him. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, but, he was. A, he seemed like a stud, didn't he? Yeah, like, he yeah. really did. Yeah, he was really good. So, Pernima then became Characters Bar and Lounge and had a massive makeover. As what, I said, same owners still at this point? No, so that was new owners, and they new closed owners. down, I think, officially okay. in, in 2009. And did they close down just selling on, was it, or...? Yeah, I think just selling on. I just don't, I've not been able to find much information about why they closed. Okay. I think it was just a case of like you know middling reviews in a very expensive location. And yeah. also, always worth bearing in mind with early kitchen nightmares, two thousand and eight. You've got a global financial crash. Yeah, right? exactly. That's very true. Where rents for some reason didn't go down. What's mm. that all about? <laughs> Martin is mm. now a managing a car service company. Okay, so he's no longer in the industry. Is he still in America? I think he's still in America. Yeah. Okay. So, now to the interesting bit. It's, I'm assuming it's involving our boy Martin here because Certainly is. everyone seems to have a very happy ending here. Not that there's anything wrong with managing the car industry, but... I'm, I'm predicting litigation has gone down. You are correct. Yee. Oh, really? He tried to sue Gordon for $3 million. Gordon oh. or the show? Gor- Gordon. Gordon! Gordon. Oh, no. He went after Gordon. Fucking hell. And he claimed the show ruined his career. So it's really interesting. I read, I actually found the legal documents and I read through them. Wow, Joe, professional. There's some serious fucking gold in these these hills, seriously. Oh, my God. So Martin, he filed the lawsuit, but he also attempted to get an injunction so that the episode wouldn't air because he thought he came across so poorly. Mm. So some of his complaints were that basically... They, they don't include in the episode that Dylan's actually was also a cabaret bar. And he was the general manager of the cabaret what, bar. They do not what? mention this at all. No. There is none of that in the episode. No. Okay. So he actually has no responsibility over the kitchen Fuck staff. Me. Or any of the restaurants. The reason he was la- lounging around all the time on his phone is he's because waiting to, that's his job. Yeah, he's going to be booking, he's booking guests and, talent and, and guests talent. and stuff yeah. like that. 
the time when he was lying on the sofa and the the rest the staff were stroking his hair the production staff of kitchen nightmares actually told him to take a break and have a little nap are you like look we're really quiet there's no one around just take a nap it'll be fine he was like okay i'll just sit here and lie down then from episode one honestly right? what a yeah. swiz so he was obviously he was rightfully furious he said that the whole show was fabricated mm. and that blame was placed on on, on his shoulders basically and it was unfair Another thing I found out was that actually three members of the kitchen staff, three chefs were fired just before Gordon came in. And this apparently... So these were new guys, were they? Who didn't know anything? These were new guys who... I, I don't, some of them may have been new and some of them were original, but either way, three of the main staff were fired right. just before Gordon came in. And this apparently scuppered the production team's plans because originally they were going to fire some of those chefs as part of the story. <laughs> and it meant that they didn't have a central villain of the episode. And you could just imagine that there's a producer saying, like, we have to fire someone. Like, yes. this, yeah, is, yeah. this is the idea of the show. So Someone, we actually sure. had them leaving and getting out of there. Speaking of as well, I just realised for a second episode, we didn't have a little comment from Gordon at the end, did we? No, no, we not no. figured that out yet. No, yeah, interesting like that. that. So this is this is intriguing though because he's got a lot of grievances with the production, it seems, and mm. I feel like a lot of that is going to be thrown out by going, well, you know, you signed a contract, you know, maybe loss of earnings or whatever, you might be able to prove, mm. but if you signed a contract, you're pretty much belt and braces there. They're not going to have to give up any penny, but he's going after Gordon personally. This is so how thing. does that work? So I think he had a, I don't know if he tried to do this himself or he had a really bad lawyer. Injury lawyers for you? You I... will not believe the, the paperwork that I had oh, to read no. for this. So I'm going to read out some literal quotes from, I've got screenshots of the PDF document that contains all the de- details about the lawsuit. Oh so. My God. The plaintiff was aware before getting involved with Ramsey and the other defendants that Ramsey is physically coercive, about six foot three and 220 pounds. So that's not true. Gordon's six foot one. I don't think he weighs 220 pounds. (laughs) He's not a big boy is what we're saying. He's also a captain in the British Special Forces, the 23rd SAS unit, a skilled practitioner of martial arts. What? And quite capable of defending himself against physical attack. It doesn't stop there, though, folks. <laughs> Ramsey has a reputation in Britain for being the, or one of the, most feared persons in Britain, according to various feared reports. persons in Britain! Including, Chef Ramsey is commonly regarded as the hardest man in Britain. Well, Danny Dyer said so, didn't he? Ah, uh, no, Ross when... Kemp's going to have a thing or two to say about this. Since he became the UK's bare-knuckle champion last year... <laughs> wait, wait! Beating the current gypsy champion in a 22-round marathon in a freight container yard in Hull (laughs) okay I I suspect whether it's been on you on 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 the general manager or on the lawyer someone's played a trick somewhere something's fishy about this something's fishy here they they they, their reference here the um the source is um is from the spine which as far as I can find out is a parody site so someone read a parody site and didn't realise it was a joke and used this in the in the litigation document imagine falling for fake news in 2005 for fuck's sake it continues plaintiff is 150 pounds with no martial arts or similar experience <laughs> little to no bare knuckle boxing and would be unable to defend himself against a physical attack by someone such as Ramsey he what, pointed at him though what the plaintiff <laughs> did not know before getting involved with defendants was that Ramsey was prone to actual physical violence during his shows and unable to control what? himself physically during the production of shows what? and would deliberately get out of physical control to create violence and excitement now, for the show okay. say what you will about Gordon I think we're three staunch critics of Gordon Ramsey <laughs> but we 
you've never seen him get physically involved well with no unless it's that bin in Hell's Kitchen oh, that, that bin had it coming mate. <laughs> like. they've got a reference here during October 2004 Ramsey had a shoving match with an aspiring chef during the US shooting of Hell's Kitchen resulting in physical injury and med- requirement of medical treatment for the aspiring chef I mean for me though what's so fishy about that and just in terms of like it feels like that guy wants to lose the lawsuit whoever's doing it because there is so much documented evidence of Gordon being verbally abusive mm-hmm. I, me and Joe uh, you know a couple of months back we watched the original original Gordon Ramsay documentary Boiling Point yes and that's you know very little gussing up other than Gordon knowing there's a camera there and he's going to make yeah. a name for himself but he is just going you over here you're fat like he's yep. just being straight up really cruel to people and I feel like if you wanted to say that he was being you know a bully and he was being threatening and all yep. that you didn't need to go to these that's it you know you can paint a picture of Gordon Ramsay to make him look as villainous as you like without having to embellish shit up but obviously like you say they thought this was a legit source I guess they thought that's this is great so this helps bad. it's just I think it's just really lazy legal advice because then it continues even further in oh 2007 God. Ramsay admitted that he fabricated facts to falsely place blame on a subordinate chef seeking to become Ramsay's successor Ramsay admitted to stealing the reservations book from his aubergine restaurant in 1998 and blaming the theft on Marco P white to prevent his being appointment as chef in Ramsay's place and the source for that is a Wikipedia page for Gordon Ramsay under the section entitled football oh come on Gordon was Marco Pierre's protégé all the way around unsurprisingly the football section of Gordon Ramsay's Wikipedia page also has nothing about this right when Marco Pierre was playing for Blackburn Rovers say what you will but he put (laughs) balls in nets yeah that's bullshit Joe total bullshit but yeah I was totally swerved because I read it legal documentation saying that Gordon Ramsay beat a guy in a fight in a bare knuckle match and a you weren't in that shipping <laughs> container at all. I was desperately searching the internet where how did I not know this well look here's the thing I'm sure there is enough scraps and instances because I know I've heard in Hell's Kitchen that he's gotten really over the top with people and he probably has shoved and there probably has been yeah. stuff like that and people have been given a pay slip or whatever it is to, to not say anything about mm. it un- unquestionably it's an absolute hothouse those, those shows particularly the early ones but it just feels like instead of like there was an actual like legal route I feel there to probably yeah. get in at least at least a suit that would make Gordon and his team go oh fuck let's settle up. Yeah. But what they just did there was provide precedent and therefore yeah. Gordon's bulletproof from any contestant. Yep. Oh you want to go sue him? Well see how this side went on because I imagine that wasn't cheap to put together that dossier of bullshit. I just don't understand how like this oh is you know God. this took me 15 minutes of Google searching to disprove all of the stuff that yeah. they're claiming in their report. But you're in 2021 I guess. You're I there guess. in 2005 6. It still seems like it's just such an ostentatious lie. It's a big, big thing. It's like it's one thing to be like, "Oh, have you heard this about Gordon? Yeah, pop that in there." Have you heard that he's a fucking bare knuckle champion? You'd think Toughest surely it would cross print. your mind. Let's double check that, shall yeah. we? Like Danny Dyer standing outside Aubergine. That guy's one hard bloke. Let me tell you, he's I don't got go morals. <laughs> I don't want to go in there. I won't want to be his protege, Mark Opier. Why he's going to give him a thrashing? <laughs> Well, the only thing that remains then is to ask you both for... Oh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm asking this. Boy, oh boy. Um, a dish of the day and someone who you would hire from the restaurant if you were to have to do so. Joe, you've been Phoenix Wright for us here today, mired in all the legal documentation. Uh, why don't you give us your picks first of all? I'm boring. I'm going to go for the, the chicken masala. Yep. Because it looks really nice. Yeah. And it is what I would probably have ordered in, mm-hmm. a, in an Indian restaurant. <laughs> Obviously, the, the new one made by Vickers. Yeah. 
And MVP, I'm going to go with Jenna, the waitstaff, who stood up for Martin. Yeah. Because I think it was really brave of her to do that. She says right from the get-go how intimidating she finds Gordon. She's really scared of him, and she mm. still stands up to him. And I think yeah. that's brave. I'm going to go for that seafood curry that he had as one of his mm. many dishes that were put out. Mm. I, something like fish and curry is fucking phenomenal. It's something that I rarely see on menus when I go out to... Because I guess we're, we're not close to seafood, I guess. Yeah. But I'd be having that down my gullet any day of the week. And if it was if, honestly before you had even told me about his impressive turnaround, I was going to go for Andrew. Yeah. Just because if I'm running a business, I would like to have someone who at least, well, geez, he can put on the chef's whites, he can make you a horrible frozen salmon, he can fix a wobbly table. Yeah. He he can he can do all the dirty work. Literally, the dirty work is what he was doing. That's so, it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to pick Andrew as well because yeah. he's the kind of person you want on your team where it's like, oh shit, it's all gone wrong. Well, I guess I'll do something about it. Like yeah. he's actually proactive about yes. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he had his arm. His sling. Now we know that was probably from the crippler Gordon Ramsay. Like taught him a lesson, <laughs> yeah. and took it out on him physically. So it gets a sympathy vote as well. <laughs> I was going to go with the chicken tikka as well, Joe. But for the sake of variety, I would say they had like a nice saffron cauliflower oh, dish. That they had like a vegetarian option. Definitely give that a try, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm definitely in the mood for some Indian food now. Yeah, I'm hungry. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of It's Raw. If you have got any stories on the line of a kitchen nightmare yourself, it could be from eating out, it could be from ordering in, or from attempting yourself to make some food. We're always after stories about encounters with Chef Gordon or any other celebrities in the world of cookery. And coming up very, very soon, probably next episode, we'll have another edition of The Walk-In. Yeah. So we can't wait to get muck deep with all of your stories, comments, and kitchen nightmares, and in all correspondence, it's rawpod at gmail.com. That's it's rawpod at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow Podcrabs on social media, and you can follow me, Kevin, at Kevin Mahan, Joe at the Joanna Graham, and Adam at Biblops. You can catch us all on Twitter. Let us know what you thought of the episode or any ideas for upcoming episodes. I believe it's going to fall to you next, Adam. Well, it will, but we're going to have the walk in next time, so we'll take a little break to look at everyone's story. They've sent us, but then after the walk-in, I think it's time to go off menu. Yes, that's perhaps. true. Oh. We did so, say this before. Everyone, have a little think about what you want to put forward for the off-menu selection. I remember last time oh. I talked about how excited I am to cover Bank Balance. Having watched all of Bank Balance now, I think that would be our shortest episode ever. So oh man, maybe, maybe not Gordon Ramsay's Bank Balance. <laughs> I'll put it on then. I'm going yeah. for yeah. Have a think about your options, and then at the end of the walk-in, maybe we'll have a chat about our off-menu choices. Excellent. Well, until next time where we're going to be looking at more bad food it's a goodbye from me Kevin me Joe and me Adam and we'll see you next time on It's Raw wow that was one of the most nasty and disgusting episodes of It's Raw to date I sincerely hope that Kevin Joe and Adam all take a look at what happened with Martin and think twice before they ever cross me poor Nima poor excuse for a restaurant